today uh, we're looking at the whole subject of uh, P is for perseverance and who knew in this life you need a little dose of perseverance to get yourself through it's true isn't it and you, you only need to be on the planet for a short period of time to realize that life is not lived in straight lines it's a bit of a zigzag and there are, there are good times and there are bad times and sometimes there are catastrophically bad times. Um, and, and there is a need in this life to have certain things in the toolbox to help you get through. I, I don't know, I mean, it's good to be able to see your faces and I'm gonna keep trying to scroll through the screens as I do this to see various reactions. But how many people here you can nod or shake your head if it ever comes to a moment where you just want to chuck the towel in. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I would say, um, for me, uh, although I'm a relentless optimist and I'm always looking over the horizon to the next possibilities, I've been through seasons of my life where nearly every day I've wanted to chuck the towel in uh, or quit on saying that God has given me to do, or just in life in general. Um, there are times, there are seasons, it can be really, really hard. And I think one of the worst things we can do in the Christian life is try and deny that. Um, there is a strand of theology out there that says we are relentlessly victorious and, and we never hit hard times because we have the victory in Christ. And, you know, you can go on some God TV channels I'm not saying God TV, but, you know, maybe <laughs> or you can go on any any Christian channel and you will get teaching that says in Christ, every day can be a victory and every day can be absolutely amazing. Can I just say from the outset, I think that's utter rubbish. <laughs> I just think that's just not what life is like. And some of you have heard me tell this story before, but it's worth rehearsing. I went I was asked to speak once at a conference that very much had that theology and um I went there with, with a terrible case of man flu. Now, man flu is a cut above coronavirus. It is, it is catastrophically bad. And if you've not had man flu, by default, women would have not have had this. It is, it is beyond your imagination. It is, it is a terrible, terrible thing. And I walked in there with a terrible... Stop shaking your head, Suzanne. It's a terrible thing. And um, I went into this conference to preach... <laughs> And I, I must have looked absolutely terrible. And I think I had like a mild fever, which in man flu terms, that's like, you know, life support territory. And, um, and I went in and they, they said, I'll come and sit down the front next to, next to the conference host. I went, oh, if you're all right, I just, I just kind of sit at the back. I said, I've got a, a terrible case of man flu. And they went, no, you haven't. I went, no, I have. And they went, you haven't. And I went, no, I really have. And I went, no, you haven't. You, you're healed in Jesus' name. And I went, I'm not. I've got really bad man flu. And I went, you, you should be walking in your healing. And at that point, I wanted to say, just shut up. I'm really ill. You're making me feel worse. <laughs> and I think they all thought I had this catastrophic lack of faith. But actually, it's not. Sometimes you're not well. Sometimes life hits you hard. Some seasons... You have to endure through waves and waves of, of just tough stuff. And the worst thing we can do as followers of Christ is, is deny that. 
a denial theology that you're always going to live in perpetual victory actually makes people feel worse and actually can properly affect your mental health. So I'm just coming at that at this from that perspective, an acknowledgement that life can be really hard. And, I, and what I decided to do, because there is so much source material in the Bible on perseverance um, and enduring, I thought what we'd do is do a very minor study on Moses, one particular moment in Moses' life, which I found quite fascinating. Now, if you have got a Bible with you uh, at home or you, you, you got it on your phone or whatever, I'm, I'm just looking at a very short segment on Exodus in Exodus 18. And then I'm, I'm literally going to talk practically, because you know me, I like to be very practical with these things to equip us to live daily life with Christ. Um, some practical points to, to help us get through. And then maybe we'll have a little Q&A afterwards and then we'll make the uh, special announcements. So Exodus 18, uh, verse 13. Now what's happened here in this particular chapter is that the Exodus has just started. So Moses is leading the people out of slavery. So they've, they've crossed the floodwaters. Pharaoh's army's been trashed. They've started to be fed manna from heaven. Um, the first whispers and rumblings of complaint maybe had started to build up. Um, and, and Moses is under pressure. And we pick this up at verse 13. So this is Exodus 18 verse 13 the next day Moses took his seat to serve as judge for the people and they stood around him from morning till evening now when you read sentences like that in scripture the best thing that you can try and do is to get yourself into that situation I don't know if anyone here has had people standing around them all day asking them questions and moaning and complaining I don't know if anyone's ever had people sign Maybe if you're in a customer services type job where you're getting a lot of people harassing you, but this is all the people surrounding Moses. So he's going to get utterly drained. Uh, if anyone here is in any position of leadership and you, when people are looking to you, that, that can be very, very suffocating and draining when everyone is looking to you for an answer knowing that the answers you might give are not going to please everyone. In fact, so talking to anyone here who aspires to leadership, or has been in leadership, or is currently in leadership, one of the hardest things you have to do is to front things out when, when things are going wrong or everyone wants an opinion, and you know that the honest answer is not going to make everyone happy. That, that's a tough place to be. So this is where it starts. From morning to evening, when his father-in-law saw all that Moses was doing for the people, he says, what is this you are doing for the people? Why do you sit alone as judge while all these people stand around you from morning to evening? And Moses answered him, because the people come to me to seek God's will. Whenever they have a dispute, it is brought to me and I decide between the parties and inform them of God's decrees and instructions. So even here, you've got people coming to him with a whole load of like complaints and moans and arguments, and he is arbitrating and judging in favour of one or the other. So he's on, a, he's on a loser here in terms of keeping people happy. Moses' father-in-law replied, verse 17, what you are doing is not good. Now here's just a little side thought. 
uh, we all need people around us who will speak straight to us. And we need the ability to be able to listen. One of the great secrets of life is to surround yourself with good people who are not yes people, but will tell you what you need to hear. And that's exactly what happens here with Moses. Unfortunately, it happens to be his father-in-law. And how hard is it to hear something like that from your in-laws? That's pretty hard at all, isn't it? No comment. What you're doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourself, you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I'll give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way they are to live and how they are to behave. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties and tens. In other words, break it all down, make the load easier for yourself. Have them serve as judges for the people at all times, but have them bring every difficult case to you. In other words, you're still going to get the rubbish end of the stick when it's really bad. But all this stuff that's draining you, the day-to-day -day little nitty-gritty bits, pass that around to some good people. They will make your load lighter because they'll share it with you. And here's the punchline. If you do this and God so commands, you will be able to take the strain and these people will go home satisfied. This tells us a couple of things, well, a few very key things. Number one, God was not saying there won't be strain. This life will bring strain. Sometimes it's hard. God was not promising Moses an easy ride. What he was saying is, if you do God's will, you'll be able to take the strain. And if you share the load, you'll be able to take the strain. What he wasn't promising was an absence of hard times. And just as a brief, very brief overview of Moses' life, Moses spent 40 years as a prince. And then he spent 40 years in Midian tending sheep as a fugitive and a complete nobody, completely unknown, hard times in the desert, desolate and unknown effectively has been for 40 years. Then he comes across the burning bush and God raises him up to lead the people to freedom for 40 years, 80 when he started. For those of you who are older amongst us, the older brethren, there's a word, isn't it? Even at an advanced age, God may have an assignment for you. Just as a little side thought. There may be those amongst you who are thinking, now is the time I can put my feet up. But actually, God may have an assignment for you. But what we do know is that those 40 years in the desert fashioned Moses. And again, just another side thought before we progress the main thought. Sometimes you will be going through a tough season because God wants to prepare you for what's next. 
Sometimes you can trudge through desert experiences for many, many years, many months. Could be a decade, could be a long time. For Moses, it was 40 years. One of the key things I've learned so far in getting myself through the tough times is to try and view it as an assignment from God. Maybe there are rough edges that he needs to knock off. I was going to say this a little bit later on in the talk, but it just feels pertinent to say it now. Um, Karen and I have been through seasons that are extremely tough. We don't play them all out in public, but sometimes over many years now of journeying with Jesus since I was 18, there have been times that have taken me to the very heart of who I am, um, have plundered the depths of my heart. I've seen the worst of myself at times, and I've sometimes seen smidgens of what could be the best in myself. But the only way I can keep going really is to, I've kept going, is to embrace those tough times as I emerge out of them and trust that God needed to do something in my heart to help me become the kind of man I know I ought to be. And what I will say, with all honesty, is that the man you're looking at on the screen today is definitely not the same man that you saw last year. Maybe not even six months ago. Definitely not the man that you saw two years ago. But even in the darkest moments of that journey, God was working his purposes out and giving me, I suppose, a little bit of character surgery to help me do what he has called me to do. That may be the same for many of you. I know that some of you are going through very hard times. Uh, life has not been easy for many of you. I'm just looking around the screens and I, I, I know that. But if you view it as an assignment from the Lord, that will help you persist through the tough times. So here's just a very few simple thoughts uh, to develop this a little bit for you. Accepting that life is not in a straight line and we do have some hard times. Firstly, and this is just very practical, you so need each other in this life. You really do. You can't do this thing called following Jesus on your own. You can't. Hebrews 10, 24, let us consider how to spur one another on to faith and good deeds. That doesn't mean to say that we are relentlessly cheering each other on. We need people who speak direct into our lives, like Moses' father-in-law. We need people who we trust to support us. Sometimes we need to cheer each other on. I relentlessly say to this church, we need to be a community of people give the benefit of the doubt, believe the best, see the good, and only want what is for each other. And, and um, we desperately need things like our small groups. We need our connect groups, pitching up to prayer meetings, the worship night that Andrew and Janet put on last night. All of these things are here so that we help ourselves keep in a sweet spot with the Lord. But one of the best culture things we can have in our church is to spur one another on to faith and good deeds it's absolutely so important you would have heard me tell this story before but I, I over some of you anyway but over the last 15 years i've taken on a bunch of different endurance challenges um crazily really um 
one of the ones that I did, right, they're basically very, very long distance cycle rides and a few marathons and stuff. And one of the cycle rides that we did, I was very, very badly unfit when I started training for it. And the idea was to cycle from Calais to Nice over the Alps, which was a thousand miles and 92,000 feet of climbing. It was like cycling up every three times. Like, I didn't actually realise I was going to be cycling over the outs when I shook hands with a bloke who asked me to do it. I just thought, Calais to Nice, that's nice. A few baguettes, glass of red wine, a bit of cheese in the evening. Fantastic. I thought that'd be amazing. And then they said, you have got the Alps in a way, and they drew a mountain range. I thought, oh, no. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't expect that. And my girls will remember uh, just sitting on an exercise bike at home, relentlessly complained for it, uh, whilst playing Xbox with them and stuff like that, you know, late in the evening, sometimes early in the morning. So it was an absolute catastrophe. But then what I found was there's a difference between sitting on an exercise bike and actually cycling up a real live mountain. And we had this train, we had this training ride in this terribly hilly area in Lanzarote. There's a we did this sports route at Christian Vision for Men. And there's um, uh, a very famous mountain hairpin climb. It sort of goes up from zero to several thousand feet up this steep cliff face where all the sun is radiating off the rocks and it's just it's just like a boiler room all the way up and i've been training by this time for four months so i, I felt like i was going to be like a foreign legionnaire you know i thought i really i'll crack this i'm going to blast up this mountain and it it took a couple of hours actually and i was i was just cycling up like really it's like i thought i'm doing this I'm really nailing this. This is going really well. And then I looked around and I was overtaken by a butterfly. And it was absolutely, I didn't realise just how slow I was going. It was actually terrible. And I just felt all the strength come out of my legs. And then this bloke got alongside me and he said, you see that bit of tarmac? I went, yeah. And he went, it's gone, isn't it? I went, yeah. And he went, you're never going to go past that bit of tarmac again. And then he said, keep twiddling, Carl. Just keep twiddling your legs and you'll get there in the end. Which actually at the time was really good advice. That bit of tarmac, you're never going to see that again. It's gone. You got past that bit. When you're going for a tough season, sometimes you just need to remember that. That hour's gone. I got through that day. I'm still walking a narrow path. I'm doing all right. The key thing was he cheered me on. He just kept encouraging me. Honestly, though, after 90 minutes, he going behind me, keep twiddling, keep twiddling, just keep twiddling. I wanted to tend to shut up because I was really exhausted. So there is a balance in this as well. But one of the best things we can do is to spur each other on and keep each other going. I got a little letter through door. Karen and I got a letter uh, last week from somebody in the church. Just, just a letter of gratitude and thanks. And I tell you, it just so warmed my heart. It just, it really lifted me that day. And that's something we can do, isn't it? But emailing each other, texting each other, writing to each other, these are just simple things. Persistence doesn't just come through grit. I think I'm just going to grit my teeth and get through this. We need our church family around us to be cheering each other on. Wouldn't it be amazing if the culture of this church was constantly trying to cheer each other on. The danger is, of course, people always feel left out and some people are going to be hurt, but at least we go for it and try to have the most encouraging atmosphere we can in this church just to cheer each other on and spur each other on, sending Bible verses to each other, 
asking how we can pray for each other, asking how we support each other in whatever trial we're going through. Even if things are going really well, just have that culture of cheering each other on because that will help you get through. Second thing, just want to quickly say, the darkest hour, and here's a cliche, but the darkest hour is always before the dawn. It always is. Always. And what you tend to find is the moment you really want to quit, when all the pressure's really coming in on you, in my experience of pioneering different missions and all sorts of stuff, that's normally the moment just before the breakthrough comes. Normally. And we have to remember there's a spiritual war going on as well. There is an enemy that wants to take you out. He, he, know, he knows what your quit button is. Anyone who tries to do anything for God, there will be a moment when the enemy tries to press the big red quit button of your life. He will know where your pressure points are. I wonder how many people listening to this have had a moment where, they, where just before the breakthrough, the biggest pressure has been upon them. Anyone? Anyone seen that? I bet you have. The hardest moments are often just before the breakthrough. Just from a practical experience, that's often the moment when the enemy knows that God is just about to shine the light. You know, there's no hidden story here in this church. You'll know that many of you will know that this church went through some very tough times most churches do and there were times when it was really hard just to keep plugging away and the only way I was able to do that personally as the leader of the church one of the people who founded the church was good godly people around me cheering me on the Hebrews passage and also just from years of experience knowing that often the light will shine eventually you know and I think with Moses in a desert for 40 years he learned after 40 years, God sent him a burning bush. I wonder how many times when he was leading the people through the desert, just following the pillar of cloud by day and the fire by night, he thought, I know God's going to shine the light eventually because I've seen him do it before. As an old man having walked a journey. And we need to remember that the darkest hours always before the dawn. In, in the stuff I'm doing with Edge Ministries and even Christian Vision for Men, I was looking back, just pondering, on some of the stuff we're seeing now with the edge, and it's great. Uh, Mark Mark Norris here is really helping me with that with the Freedom Project this morning, and, and a bunch of others. I first felt God speak to me when I was five. I didn't become a Christian until I was eighteen, and God broke my heart for for the Lord and the poor. At age thirty, I started leading a church. It's now I'm forty nine in February, and I'm only just hitting what God spoke to me about when I was five. That, that's, that's 44 years. 44 years before I've seen God work the purposes out, I believe he put on my heart all those years ago. And hand on heart, Karen will tell you, the amount of times I've stomped around the house and just said, I just want to give up. I've just had enough. I can't take any more. And it's almost, it's in those moments, almost like hours or days later, suddenly the light shines and all of that goes away. 
And I know through experience that even with the stuff I'm doing now, I'm going to hit those moments again. I can remember the gathering that so many of the men have been to here. The first year we set that up, everyone around the country was telling me it was a bad idea. I had people phoning me up, telling me they were never going to go along. The first year we did it, we had 300 blokes turn up, about 30 of us were the team. We didn't have enough tents. We didn't hold enough toilets. The weather was pretty poor. You know, we had the world's grumpiest barroom from Swindon. People were complaining, but we persisted because we knew God spoke to us. And over the 10 years that we run that event, obviously we weren't able to run it last year, over a thousand men have come to Christ now, making first time commitments through that event, which is actually amazing, isn't it? But if you'd have seen that first year, you would have looked at me and said, you're mad. What on earth are you doing? But a light always shines in the end. I've learned just practically too, that there's a little thing called the 18 month rule, which I've created myself. I've not heard anyone else say this, but if God has given you a vision for something, it could be for your family, it could be for church, it could be some wider ministry, it could be something in work, it could be anything. If God has given you an idea, what happens is this. You, all, you get this honeymoon period where you get the flush of this new revelation and vision from God. And then, normally between a year, 18 months, things start to go a little bit pear-shaped. Maybe money runs out. Maybe the team we've got around you leave you. Maybe you start getting some negativity and some complaints. And a lot of people quit at that point. Did you know? That most majority church plants in this country start and finish end completely within the first 18 months. Most new visionary ideas end in the first 18 months because people miss what God is doing. And what he's doing is this. He's taking what is of you out of it and putting a lot of Jesus into it. And if you don't understand what God is doing, you can get discouraged as Frodo Towering. There are a lot of God-given visions and ideas that just stay a dream in people's head because they don't understand what the Lord is doing in them and in the people around them. It's the 18-month rule. The next thing I want to say, one of the secrets to perseverance, and I think you see it in this passage here in Exodus 18, one of the secrets to perseverance is to stay in your particular lane or try and get there in the end. What I mean is this. Moses, it's clear, was this leader who was anointed to lead all the people. He clearly may not have been the world's best manager. Maybe he was really good at dealing with the really serious issues that had to be brought before him or making the very big calls and then he needed the other people around him doing some of the other stuff who are much better at management. Now, I've learned this for myself. One of the best things you can do in this life to help you persevere this journey with Jesus is to understand what you are good at and what you are not good at. And just be really, really honest about that. I know for a fact, and please don't all nod in agreement too vigorously. I'm not the world's best manager. And I'm not the world's best pastor. I'm not. I mean, I really know that. Thank you, Suzanne, for that big shake head of affirmation. I, it's very reassuring. Look, it's all right. Like, I'm big enough and ugly enough to know what I am and what I'm not. 
And what you've got to do is get those people into the right jobs to help you and not try and do what you can't do. I believe that each of you have something that only you uniquely can do. One of the reasons I don't get downcast when people say to me in maybe a bit more flowery, but you're not a very good manager or you're not the world's best pastor, I just smile because I think, yeah, I know that. I mean, I'm not the world's best administrator, so I need operations people. I'm not, I'm not the world's best counsellor, so we need people who are good at counselling. I'm, I'm not the world's best manager of tasks because my mind's always looking over the horizon, so we need people who are doing that. So, like, Josh... Josh is really good, both of them, at working detail through and managing people. This is why I needed Josh aboard. Rich is here because he's good at operations. Janet's here because he's good at, you know, the worship stuff. Neville with his cat project. I, I, you know, I had an idea to do cat, but I need someone who's able to implement it and actually make it happen. One of the secrets to perseverance is to not do what you are not very good at. And just be honest about that and accept it when people say to you in maybe a bit fine of this you're actually a bit rubbish at that but you're really good at this that's all right one of the keys to persevering through life is to know what you can and can't do and just be really honest and secure about it and that's absolutely fine i know what i'm good at i'm good at growing things and I'm, I, I can see vision and i can motivate people to make it happen but i very very quickly need to develop teams in order for that to take place it's the same in your family life some of you would be really good at nurturing kids in the family or listening to like them when they're little tiny ones. And some of you would be better with the kids when they're teenagers. Some of you would be good at managing money. Some of you are at a catastrophe at managing your household budget. But there might be someone who can help you. Just do what you're good at and it will help you persist. If you try and do what you can't do, it will crush you. And I think what we see in this Moses story here is some very wise advice been a father-in-law what he's basically saying is you can't do all that but you're really good at doing this and that i think that is a great revelation for life and and the, and the final thing i just wanted to say really comes out of this romans classic romans five passage and just a final reflection and i think it'd be good to develop the thoughts with just a little bit of a q a so i'm just going to turn i've got a bit of a cramped pulpit style here so just bear with me this, this verse is so important. Romans 5, verse, verse uh, 2 onwards. We boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings because we know that suffering produces perseverance. That's what I've been saying. Out of the hard times, you develop the ability to persevere. Perseverance, character, and character, hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. In other words, view all this as an assignment. Everything I've done for the Lord, everything I've done, I've had moments where I want to quit. Everything. Hundreds of times. Many times I've had moments where I've been gritting my teeth. I was talking to a pastor in Australia this week and uh, he was saying, I've just found it so hard during this particular season. There have been times I just want to curl up on a sofa 
and I want it all to go away. I don't know if anyone's ever had those moments. I just want it all to go away. I really do believe this is a word for some people here. The light will shine. It will. The light will shine again. Uh, and, and the Lord is still with you. And in my experience, he always finishes what he starts. It just might be a zigzag line to get there. And it may hurt. But Hebrews 13.21 is very clear. If God has called, he will equip you with what you need to get the job done. And obviously, our ultimate example in this is Jesus in Gethsemane. I think that is such an important um, definitely coming in early. Tomorrow, I'll just wait for that. That is such an important thing for us to focus on as we draw to a close. In Luke 22, Jesus is facing the cross. He is about to take the burden of the world's sin into his body. He is about to be nailed to a cross and separated from his father. There are a moment in the Bible where it tells us he sweated blood. Such was the pressure that was upon him. There was a moment in Gethsemane when he is saying, not my will, Father, but yours. Not mine, but yours. It's what, what, what is said to Moses. If you do God's will, he will sustain you. I've often pondered that Jesus, you know, he had to go willingly to the cross. So there had to be the ability for him to say, no, I'm not going to go. It had to be free choice. So our ultimate example is this, that the one who saved us had a moment of crushing, crushing burden where he could have said no. But he said not my will but yours and God by the power of the Holy Spirit sustained him and took him to the cross darkness came over the land and then the light shone again you have resurrection DNA the one we follow is a God of resurrection. Light will shine again and he will sustain you. If you're doing God's will, you can get through the hardest times. Cheer each other on. Spur one another on. You're never going to go past that bit of tarmac again. Remember, God is fashioning your character. And remember, the one we follow is a God of resurrection and a light will shine again. Embrace what God is doing, I guess is what I'm saying. And stay in your lane and make sure you are doing what only you can do. And you are you will find yourself more able to persevere through the tough times. So there's a few thoughts on persevering for you to chew over 
maybe just try and soak in, read through those passages. Maybe we'll put on Facebook some of the scriptures that I read and use them and reflect on them and dwell on them. Let me pray. And then we might just open it up for questions. And if there aren't any questions, we'll make a couple of uh, announcements. So let, let's pray. So, Father, thank you that you sustain us and that you hold us, that we're in your grip. We pray in Jesus' name that wherever we are right now, your spirit would rest upon us. We would know your presence. You'd speak hope into our hearts. You'd develop within this church an ongoing culture of just blessing and encouragement and cheering each other on, spurring each other on. We pray, Father, you'd help us to see what you are doing in the bigger picture when we're going through tough times, sometimes catastrophic times. And I pray in Jesus' name that my brothers and sisters here and all those in our church that we will have a season where the light shines again and we experience your glory, your joy and your hope. I pray for anyone here going for a tough time, maybe just hidden, no one knows. I pray that they'd see your light. Thank you, Jesus, you, you rose from the grave and you're alive. The demonstration to us that it's going to be all right and that you made a way for us so we have a destiny with you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Um, thank you, everybody. I just, just wondered if anyone, since we're all together, I don't know if it's going to work or not, but if anyone had a thought or a reflection or a question or a disagreement. These all are welcome. You need to remember to unmute yourself though. Just a, a thought. When I was going through a problem sin-wise, like you said about the tarmac, I thought, well, God, if you can keep me for a minute, you can keep me for two, and that's how I went. It's yeah. five minutes, ten minutes. So you're always looking forward. Yeah. Trying to run before you can walk. That's it. God can keep you each moment. Yeah. Moment by moment. And I actually put something on Facebook um, the other day. This this thought that actually it's all grace. And our lives are sustained moment by moment, nanosecond by nanosecond. It's all the work of God's grace and sustaining us moment by moment. And every moment that he sustains us and we're with him is a win, isn't it? If you're still standing, it's a win. If you wake up the next morning, it's a win. And if you don't, you're with the Lord anyway. So it's all all right. It'll be all right. Every moment is a win. Good to see you as well, Robert. I just did need to keep praying for you, didn't we? You get all your, your voice back and your energy and your breathing improves, don't we? We'll keep praying for you. Anyone else? People need people. They do. Well said. We need each other, don't we? Yeah. That's why the church is a family. We need each other. Well, I need you. I'd like to just share a bit of the verse of out praying for some time and in my head I tend to think of areas of our life where I failed all the time and find it difficult to have faith that I'm going to get through those things but God reminded me of this verse in Philippians where it says 
being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Uh, it was just that, that God will complete the work that he started in us. He's not going to leave anything unfinished. He will complete it. He finishes what he starts. Yes. He always does. Always. Anyone else? Okay, Kerry. Well, it's just, announcement time. Oh, sorry, that was someone. <laughs> Carla, just want to thank you again because, as usual, you've brought a word that is so. Um, it's kind of what God's doing at the moment with me, with the group that I'm I'm running. So it's it's confirmation of um, of that. Wonderful. The, the whole teaming up with other people and realizing what you can and can't do, what you're good at, what other people are better at. So I just want to thank you for for bringing word this morning. Thank you. Thank you. Cool. Now, I think we should unmute ourselves and do a drum roll for the first announcement. Unmute. That was very poor. Very poor indeed. It was a very uncoordinated drum roll. Very first. first First announcement, uh, I'm going to build them up. The first announcement is um, the new Get Prayer, uh, I just promised you, I'll just mention this, the new Get Prayer rotaries that we, up and I've got 21 people now on the Get Prayer rotor, which is really cool. Uh, we put some training out, so that, that is now live. So just wanted to mention that. The next announcement is that in about 20 minutes time, um, our new website will be live and it's it's been in development for a very very long time but obviously at the moment it's very important uh, that we have a very good online portal and it's really slick it'll be out it's linked to church suite giving events should be able to be booked through there our latest sermons and teaching on there the pictures some of you are featured on there with your photos our home group leaders on it like it's it's a really slick website and it absolutely suits our church. So we'll send a link around and do get on it and do remember to use it. So uh, congratulations to Rich and Andy Robinson and all the rest of those who worked in the background on that. Bravo, round of applause. Thank you very much. Finally got there. So that's great. The third announcement, the main uh, one for me today, is that as you know, we, um, we have plans to recruit eventually a full-time pastor and we're not in a position to be doing that yet but we did say uh, partly finance and circumstances and all sorts of stuff um the money isn't quite there in the church at the moment because although we've got some money in the bank what we really want to do is utilize that for houses for the poor various community projects that we want to use it for the purpose it was given for and it's never a good idea to employ people based on savings because when those savings are gone they're gone and so it needs to be an appointment that's made out of sustainable income. Um, having said that, as you know, as a leadership team, we've been really vexed about this. And as I said to you in my sermon deliberately, I, I know what I am and what I'm not. 
And although we've got a fantastic system now, we've got home group leaders who are doing utterly amazing job at being frontline pastoral care workers too. So just just a massive thank you to all our, our home group leaders. They're doing absolutely amazing, aren't they? So thank you guys uh, for all you're doing to, to provide care and discipleship for those in the groups. What I can tell you is, um, as we build up to this announcement, I'm just going to tease this out for a while. Um, Rich uh, compiled some statistics for me. Um, I'm just, uh, here we go. The church uh, has grown quite substantially, even during lockdown. And uh, there are new people in the church today. We've seen a bunch of people come to Christ. Now, I'd actually, I'm, I'm, I'm never about numbers and bums on seats, actually. I'm more driven by, are we winning people to Christ? And are we discipling people who got a census? People come, people go. All we've got to be doing is be faithful with what the Lord has given to us at that time. Um, but to give a context to the, the beast that we're trying to run now, and you'll see this on the website, the complexity of the church as it is, and you'll know we've got masses of events coming up over Christmas and all sorts of action all the time. There are 190 adults and 64 kids in the church at the moment, but that doesn't include probably another 10 people we've not yet added uh, to that database, at least. So the church is actually going to be quite substantial. And they are not, that's not like a made up figure. This is 190 active adults, but I'd actually say it's probably more like 200 now, because since that's happened, we've had confirmation of other people uh, joining the church. And it's probably over 70 children. Astonishingly, over 71% of those people are in committed, committed to small groups, which is right. for a church, a very, very high figure, very high figure. So, and that, I think that's testimony to the work of our home group leaders again. Let's give them a round of applause, actually. What an amazing job they do. Fantastic. Um, um, the 19.5% that are not in connect groups are allocated or regularly contacted uh, by our pastoral teams, as well as the home group leaders. We've got a pastoral team as well. So that's absolutely amazing. And our average views on YouTube is around a couple of hundred. Sometimes our bananas get well over a few hundred. So the church is a, a large number now of very, very committed people. And we've seen... Um, I think we've probably got some like 10 or 11 people wanting to be baptized at the moment, which is, and this is all sort of happened during lockdown. And, and some of these guys who are getting, you know, coming to Christ have never actually experienced church on a Sunday in the school. We just hope we don't put them off when we get back there. Don't we? That's the, that's the main thing. Now, Steve Parker has, we, we changed Steve's role. As you know, this is all gone out on our emails. And if you don't get our emails, do contact Richard to get signed up for them and join the RK Online group, a closed group on Facebook. Steve Parker's taken on the role of associate pastor for uh, Bible teaching. And, as you know, he oversees our home group leaders and uh, some of the prayer ministry stuff. Uh, he's writing Bible studies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, at a part time. But we know that we needed, with that many people in the church and our home group leaders, etc., that we needed to develop pastoral ministry somehow while still not yet able to make a full-time pastoral appointment. So I'm absolutely delighted to be able to tell you that from the end of January or maybe February next year, Jim McGlade is actually joining our staff as an associate pastor. 
It's amazing. Absolutely delighted about. Um, Jim, as you know, was uh, previously a senior pastor in the OG Church, uh, Zion, uh, now known as Lifehouse, and is just an amazing uh, godly leader uh, and pastor. And uh, basically, Jim is going to be coming on on a part-time basis, purely with a remit to help us love on people, pastor them, disciple them, keep you in the streets for God's purposes. It's part-time, um, and Jim will be working through, um, you know, lists of people that we give him or just being proactive. Uh, some weeks, Jim won't be around. Some weeks, he will be. Uh, so we're not putting masses of burden on Jim, but it is a staff uh, appointment that we are making. And in due course, we'll have a proper commissioning for that role um, in the new year. Um, and Jim also is kind of like an emeritus leader elder position too. So it's an open invitation to come to our leadership team meetings whenever he wants to. And we'll be joining our staff meetings whenever he wants to. Personally, I don't understand why Jim's taking a risk of working with me, but actually I'm really, really delighted. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I've said to Jim, actually, I don't know either. <laughs> We'll, we'll be spending some time together because it's just good to get that voice of wisdom and experience into our leadership team. One of the best things you can do in leadership is surround yourself with godly and gifted people who are discerning. So Jim, Jim will be sort of fulfilling that emeritus elder role as well within the church. So I hope you are as excited as I am by that news. It's wonderful, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jim, I don't know if you want to say anything, brother. Uh, um, yeah, thanks for that, Carl. I'm, I wasn't certain if I was going to hear a roll of drums before you actually mentioned my name. <laughs> um, about, about six weeks ago, I think it was, I asked Carl if I could see him. Um, because as you know, this last eight months has been very difficult, and I'm I'm still in that season. That I'm still in that season of of, of grief, but I I felt that I needed something to help me focus myself, just to try to drag myself out of how I'm feeling. So I asked to see Carl, and I suggested to him, Carl, I like to come on and serve the church in some capacity, and then. And then he turned it around with what you've heard this morning, what he's uh, said to you. Uh, I've thought and I've prayed about it. And for this season, uh, for, for me, it seems the right thing to do. I think it's something that will, um, will, will certainly help me. Um, and also, in turn, I hope it's going to be a blessing and a help um, to the church as well. Um, looking forward to working with um, with Carl and all the team. Yeah, good times ahead. Exactly. Fantastic. Mm. Well done, Jim. So um, it'd be great. Can we just unmute yourselves? Let's have a big old load of prayer for Jim, shall we? Um, mm. And the team, maybe. So maybe, maybe a few of us could pray. Let's go for it. Pray. Yeah, Heavenly Father, we just want to thank you for Jim. We want to thank you, Lord, just for 
uh, calling him into this role, Lord. We thank you for his ministry over the years. We thank you for his gifts. And we thank you for his willingness to serve the church, Lord. And we ask your blessing on him, Lord. You give him the energy and the wisdom, Lord, just to uh, just to take on this role, Lord. And ask your blessing on the on the leadership team as he joins, Lord. Amen. 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 Yes, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for Jim. Thank you, Lord, for this man's wisdom and experience. He's been a good friend over the years. He's still a good friend, and I know he's going to be an absolute blessing to this church. Anoint the man now, Father, in Jesus' name, because we ain't seen nothing yet, have we, Jim? Right? Yeah. Bless him in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Just thank you, Lord, as you, as you bring Jim out of this, um, probably the toughest time of his life, Lord, that uh, he, he wants to go forward and serve you and dedicate his life to serving you. Lord, we pray that you'll anoint him and anoint all of our leadership um, to lead us all out of, this, out of these tough times and into um, the bright future that, that you want, Lord, your kingdom, your glory, in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so Father, we pray the blessing over Jim. We pray the Holy Spirit would anoint him and equip him. We pray, Father, that you'd get great joy out of this too. It'd, just, it'd be a, a massive blessing to him as well as a blessing to us, Father. We pray you'd join us really uh, as a team. Give us a really super sweet spot of being in amazing unity together, which we are. Uh, and I, I pray for uh, my friendship with Jim, Father, that you just keep us tight and close together and with the rest of the leadership. I pray, Father, that through this we'd see uh, our discipleship increase, our ability to keep in a sweet spot of your purposes increase. We pray, Father, as new people join the church, we'd be able to disciple in more effectively. All of these things, Father, just just so good. Uh, we're excited, Lord. So pray, Father, give Jim a super day today. Us as a church, may we know the presence of your spirit upon us. We pray we know great joy and peace. In Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I hope you're as excited as I am. I think that's yes. really cool, don't you? Yeah. yeah. Brilliant. So thanks for sticking around for the announcement. Yeah. I really appreciate it. So, um, yeah, let's... Uh, I'm not saying, you know, I didn't do a sermon on a little bit of Moses because I'm saying Jim's like Moses, but he's not far off. Okay. <laughs> 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 yeah. Anyway, um, maybe a few years to go. Anyway, God bless you all. That, that's it. Thanks God bless you. Send messages of encouragement to each other. Keep looking on Facebook. Look out for the events that are happening over the next week. God bless you all. Have a yep. good one.